welcome back to the podcast for Cultural Reformation, brought to you by the Ezra Institute. Welcome back, everyone. This is the podcast for Cultural Reformation, brought to you by the Ezra Institute. I'm Ryan Aris, and it's my privilege today to have Dr. Michael Thiessen here with me. Regular listeners uh, will be familiar with Mike. Uh, he's been a fellow of the Ezra Institute uh, for for some time, teaches at uh, several programs that we run. Uh, Mike is president and founder of Liberty Coalition Canada, and he does he does a lot of little things uh, because he can't sit still for too long. So we're going to uh, going to talk about uh, some of those other uh, activities that you're that you're involved with, some of these other other ventures, other uh, opportunities, other ways that uh, that you're working on. You know, on just. You know, getting uh, getting out the message of Christ's lordship over all of life and uh, and how that obtains. So it's uh, it's good to see you again. It's great to be on Ryan, and uh, I'm so happy to not have Cromwell here to steal the uh, to steal the glory of my entrance. Um, one of those little things I am working on, Ryan, is the Spark Leadership Conference in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, October 31st and November 1st. Uh, Dr. Joe Boot and myself and a bunch of the other men we're talking about uh, today are going to be there. So we want people to go yep. to sparkconferences.org and sign up. I told you I'd do a shameless plug at the beginning. Uh, we we really want people to come down to South Carolina to this conference. It's going to be a great time. I never doubted you. All right. Yeah, we will uh, We will get to that <laughs> uh, Spark conference. Um, but yes, yeah, let's, uh, let's talk about uh, a couple of these... Uh, these other men that uh, that you alluded to there, uh, and these will be for anyone who has listened uh, to uh, to your show, uh, anyone who's listened to us, uh, you, and anyone who has paid attention over the past couple of years. Uh, these will be these will be familiar names. Uh, these are a couple of pastors out in Alberta, uh, Tim Stevens and James Coates, uh, friend of friends of ours. Uh, Tim, at least, will be at uh, at the the Spark Conference. I'm not sure about James, but uh, we'll uh, we'll be looking forward to uh, to hearing more from both of them. But the reason that uh, that they are on uh, this week that uh, that we're talking about them is that recently, in uh, just in the past couple of weeks, towards the end of the summer here, uh, there were, and I'm going to get you to uh, to talk about some of the the nuance and details of this, but in both cases, or in uh, in Tim's case, uh, you'll remember that uh, he was he was arrested and charged both uh, both Tim personally as well as uh, the church that he pastors, Fairview Baptist in Alberta, uh, for uh, violating public health orders uh, back in 2021. Uh, as of the end of August, the Crown has withdrawn uh, all of those charges, uh, both against Tim and against Fairview Baptist. And Mike, maybe you can just uh, just start there. Uh, you've uh, you've been involved in some of the uh, the legal side of these uh, these proceedings. Just tell us tell us what what has happened and uh, and some more of what it means uh, both uh, for Tim for Fairview for uh, for religious freedom more broadly in uh, in Canada. Okay, so I'll I'll start with with Tim and um 
James amalgamated because then people will understand what has happened in Alberta. So what has happened in Alberta is that um, the charges that were laid against James Coates and against Tim Stevens under Alberta's public act, public health act, um, those charges have been dropped because of a technicality. And the technicality was that the judge found um, that the government uh, imposed these restrictions, not the Minister of Health. And so, so there were these um, charges that were, uh, you know, issued out to these men. Of course, the, these men have been under years of of, of waiting for uh, for some type of resolution, and um, the issue has been that they were uh, they were invalid because politicians approved them again, not because of the chief medical officer of health. And so as these court cases have been dismissed, um, I, at least in Alberta, this helps on this con uh, on this technicality that uh, it helps the Alberta government understand that they had overreach. And so mm. in both Tim and James's cases, this, as far as I'm understanding is from the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedom, who have been absolutely great in representing, um, all of our cases, many of the many of the pastoral cases, um, this this has this has this is good results, but it is a technicality result. It's not a constitutional yeah. result. Okay, yeah. um, there there still has been yet um, any court case in Canada that I am aware of that has declared the mandates unconstitutional. There's there as far as I am aware. Um, of course, we know that uh, just a number of weeks ago. Um, Pastor Jacob Rayom and Trinity Bible Chapel in Waterloo, the Supreme Court of Canada res refused to um, hear their case, uh, their case that was appealing to the Constitution. And so the Supreme Court of Canada said, we don't want to hear that case. Um, we will let the um, Ontario Court of Appeals decision stand, which then, of course, lets the, the, the highest court in the province of Ontario um, stand and their decision not to accept um, this constitutional challenge. Right. Right. So, so that's where things are at yeah. for them. Uh, just so you know, um, also right about the same time, I have had two of my charges stayed. Um, and so uh, I'm thankful to the Lord that two of my charges have been stayed. Um, the Crown Prosecutor uh, agreed to stay the charges against me. Um, and so my trial was pending September 14th in, in, in just, just right around this time. Um, but on, uh, but just recently the court decided to stay my decision. And again, um, the reason for this stay, um, does, is unclear on their end. I know what our, uh, legal defense was going to be, um, our legal defense was going to be. Um, that that police are, are required to inform a motorist of their rights, and legal counsel was about to argue that um, I should have been immediately been informed of my rights to counsel upon being detained by a police officer. Um, but as far as the reason for the charges being stayed, the only thing we can say is 
from the president of the Justice Center, John Carpe, we're pleased that uh, taxpayer-funded resources will no longer be devoted to this prosecution, which had been carried on pursuant to unscientific laws and unjustified violations of charter rights and freedoms. Now, that's his opinion. We still have yet to see that in court. And that's mm-hmm. that's important for the conversation, mm-hmm. Ryan, as we unpack this to say, what are the implications? Yes. Yeah, exactly. So that's uh, that's kind of what I was uh, was getting at. I appreciate you filling in the detail that this is a it's a technicality win. I mean, it's it's a net gain. We're we're grateful for it, but it's not a uh, it's not a win at the constitutional level. So, I get uh, what does that mean? Uh, I guess for future cases of religious freedom of the uh, the ongoing relationship between church and state, uh, what uh, what can we? Can we draw any any conclusions? Uh, what can we expect going forward uh, based on uh, these recent decisions? Yeah, I think there are a few things that it could mean. I'll, I'll, I'll talk first about options. So first of all, in Alberta, because this court has decided that there was some type of technical error, procedural error, that... Um, that there could be a legal recourse. You you could have Pastor Tim Stevens and Fairview Baptist. You could have James Coates um, and Grace Life Church respond legally now because it has been determined that they you know they they spent invalid time in jail. Their charges were were uh, invalid. the The mandates were invalid because of all of those findings. Um, you could have a you could have some type of lawsuit or uh, legal response from those churches, which the implication of that or the outcome of that is possible that the government understands it can't willy-nilly go ahead and just restrict rights and freedoms and everybody play the blame game. Because that's really what's been happening. You've been, you know, on your podcast, I know with Joe and Aaron and myself have been on on your podcast, Ryan, and many others have been on. You know, the whole time we've been talking about the the the, the you know the jet the get out of jail free card, where mm. the premiers got to point down at the uh, you know, like for example, in Alberta, Doctor Deanna Henshaw, uh, yeah, the uh, the chief medical officer of health. Um, they got to point down, the premiers got to point down and said, well, they're the ones making the decision. And then the medical officers got to point up and say, well, no, 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 it's it's the it's the province that's making these mandates. And then everybody got to say, well, we didn't really mandate everything. We didn't really require people to get vaccinated. We just created enough recommendations that private companies then went and implemented their own mandate. So everybody's been able to point the finger in another direction. And one of the possible outcomes now that we're getting a little bit of clarity and, and, and by the way, like this, in, as far as I'm understanding this, and you know, we will be talking this on my podcast, open mic with Michael Thiessen, um, with, um, with our lawyer, James kitchen. We'll talk about this, Ryan, but as far as I'm aware, this would start to be bringing some type of accountability, or repercussions in Alberta. And it, mm. and again, I'm, I'm not a lawyer. I'm working with lawyers and Liberty Coalition Canada works with 
a legal strategy, but I think right now that would be limited to Alberta because it's only in Alberta that you have this technical win. Now, if this is something where you learn from court case A and you then implement it as a lawyer in court case B, then like, and I'm not really talking about legal precedent. I'm more talking about legal strategy that might open up for different, different court decisions in different provinces. So that would be number one. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a number two there? Or are you going to throw that back to well, me? I, number we can two, keep going. Yeah, I was, I was giving it back to you yeah. to see no, that's if you fine. wanted to interact with that. But no, no, number two... Me, uh, okay, go ahead. Okay, sorry. I, I'll go with number two. Number two is is not nearly as positive. Number two is maybe we keep looking for technicalities, but this really doesn't have that many broad sweeping implications in my mind for fundamental freedoms in Canada. Like it, number two right. is actually, we, we, we could see some personal accountability, which, which, you know, back to number one could caution people. But number two is like the main observation is no, we've not been allowed to challenge this constitutionally. The constitution mm. in Canada is still very, very weak. Right. Yeah. And yeah. you mentioned, uh, and uh, it's no surprise that to these two pastors uh, who have uh, experienced jail time, uh, and you know the unwavering witness that to, that they've both uh, maintained is that this they're not doing it to uh, to rebel; they're doing it because Christ is worthy of his worship, uh, and we uh, we we bless them for that. But to the the my my point is that. These are these are things happening in Alberta, as you mentioned already. Um, you know, which is kind of kind of has this reputation of being the Canada's Texas. And there's a lot of uh, a lot of independence-minded kind of uh, uh, attitudes and uh, and people out uh, out in Alberta. Uh, is what's uh, what's the deal? I guess is my question. Uh, why, of all places, did uh, did this sort of most dramatic, most heavy-handed uh, sentencing come down uh, there? It's interesting. It's interesting that you bring that up, Ryan, because what happened was out west, you had the fines, um, the fines, and the future imprisonment threats were very minimal out West. And that would actually reflect what you've just said about uh, freedom minded, you know, an independence mind, you know, within Alberta, there's always been the, the question of, you know, do we separate from Canada? Cause they don't really represent yeah. our Western, um, uh, our Western interests. So what happened was you saw out West that the actual fines were quite small and, and, and doable. But what ended up happening was they acted on orders that they issued orders to these pastors. And then at that point, because the men weren't willing to agree with the orders or acknowledge the orders, you know, you got to remember this is, this is pastor Tim and James going, going to jail, um, because they refused bail conditions and those mm-hmm. bail conditions mm-hmm. 
were specific about not meeting. And so the very thing that they felt compelled to do, according to scripture, was the very thing they said, hey, you can get you can get out of this with minimal cost to you, but you have to agree. And that's why these men spent time in jail. So any Christian who's out there going, oh, it's their fault. They spent their own time in jail. They could have been free. You're you're absolutely correct in your observation. Your 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 condescension is absolutely misplaced because they counted the cost to follow Christ personally when they could have sold out the church, stopped mm-hmm. meeting, not lived by their not not lived by their um, their prescribed religious um, duty as, as they saw in Scripture. And so these men sent were, were, were sent to jail basically because they would not agree to stop meeting. Here in Ontario, the opposite happened where for many people, the threats, you know, the, the summons to courts that we received were quite high, you know, up to $100,000 in jail. I mean, up to $100,000 in fines plus potentially up to a year in jail. But the follow-up, meaning the you know, you know, the court orders, um, those were not um, those were not as as quickly forthcoming, and so I, I know that I I know that I ended up facing uh, an order from the uh, Department of Health uh, to cease and desist meeting together. I know that I I know that I received that order. Um, but I was not detained mm-hmm. until I signed anything or anything like that. So, um, yeah, it, it was a weird balance. Out West, it was like early arrests and then detention until you would agree. And if there wasn't an agreement, you spent time in jail. Out East, it was higher fines and higher threats of jail long term, um, but not as um, escalated a situation of sending men to jail, you know, even, mm. even pastor Jacob Rayom, you know, who would have been probably the, um, the most public in Ontario, you know, Aaron rock was the first, but then, but then Jacob, his church got the most heat. Um, there, there was never, as far as I am aware, any arrest or detention of, of Jacob. Right. It is, uh, is, it's just, it's interesting to observe that uh, there has been a, a absolutely monolithic narrative about you know, the, you know, the risks of COVID and uh, the, way, the ways that are most effective to stop it, but the, uh, the sanctions against it uh, varied so much that uh, the responses uh, actually had, there was a lot of... Uh, a lot of ambiguity and a lot of differentiation from one area to the next. Uh, it's just a, uh, yeah, just, just an interesting observation. But, it, it, uh, it's supposed to be like that in the sense of regional responses to, so for example, there are forest fires, you know, burning in Kelowna right now. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what does public health do there? Okay. Like, again, like there is the tension between, um, personal responsibility and freedom of the, of civilians, and then safety of people closing off roads. 
that's not affecting you in Ontario. That's the way regional out. That's the way regional situations are supposed to be handled, and 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 sure. health situations are supposed to be handled at the most microscopic level of of, of a, an actual inspection of the individual person. Right, and so. Yeah. Um, the problem in both of these cases, so they're different weights of, of overreach. The problem in both of these cases is a government gone mad on power and on, on intervening in a medical process that is political gain for them. They get to say politically we're winning because we're doing something. You go, what are you doing? Yeah. We're restricting people's rights and we are implementing ridiculous mandates that no science proves, but we're doing something. And then the panic stricken people go, okay, well, at least you're doing something. When all the constitutional yeah. people are sitting here going, wait a minute, we have, we have protections for this very reason. So, um, they're supposed to be regional responses, yeah. but even though the regional responses were unique, what was consistent, Ryan, as you said, monolithic, is that you had this global response that was so far over the top, it ignored the individual completely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We saw that yeah, both no, in the thanks. East and the West. Yeah. Yeah. No, thanks. Thanks for drawing out uh, what I was kind of getting at there. I appreciate it. Okay, Mike, I'm going to give you a chance to talk about the Spark Conference. And just to, uh, to set this up a little bit, uh, th this is happening, as you mentioned, uh, in South Carolina, uh, October 31st, November 1st. But this is yourself, uh, Joe Boot, Nate Wright, Tim Stevens, a bunch of Canadians down in South Carolina, um, you you yourself are resident uh, down in the states now, but what's the uh, what what's the goal of the conference? And maybe tell us what uh, what does the Canadian experience and the Canadian pastors experience specifically have to say uh, have to uh, inform the uh, the American situation? Yeah, so um, the Spark Leadership Conference where you can go and sparkconferences.org and you can find out about that. Um, this is a part of my strategy as the president of Liberty Coalition Canada uh, in living in the United States. In fact, it's quite hilarious because you remember way back in the middle of the pandemic, we had this, uh, we had this article written about, you know, about Billy. Um, uh, uh, there was an article written by the gospel coalition about, um, pastors named Billy who were going to the United mm. States for help and for media attention. And it was making other pastors in Canada uncomfortable because it was highlighting the differences of our reaction. Well, you know, I know the author of that article and he's a good friend of mine and we have reconciled since, but I, I, I called James up and I said, look, James, did you write that article about me or what? Because that's literally what we're doing. Um, Canadians are very, whether people understand this or not, I've lived in Canada my whole life. I've, I've lived in Mozambique for a time and I've lived in the United States a, few, a number of times. Um, Canadians have, whether they like it or not, two realities. And the one reality is that the politics of the United States affect the politics of Canadians. 
the move, the cultural movement and the cultural ethos of the United States affects Canadians. And, and the, Ryan, I think, you know, you, I want actually you to jump in on this. In this whole cultural point, the states acts as a conservative um, anchor uh, in a respect. Now, there's things changing in the United States and all those things. But where you have Canada being a part of the British Commonwealth and you have French Canada that has a great pride in its French revolutionary history, um, Canadians tend to, in thought, you know, when there's a coronation or a wedding, they, they in thought, they want to be Europeans. And that draws them towards a more liberal, progressive pole. But then they still live experientially on the other side of the pond, and they live in proximity very closely to the revolution. They, 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 they live close to the American Revolution. And so media comes from the United States. Um, uh, policy thought comes from the United States. So there's this tug in the Canadian mindset. And of course, we at the Ezra Institute are trying to say the biggest tug should be back towards a Christian, a well-developed Christian worldview with a, with a, with a full uh, use of all of Scripture uh, to affect every area of life, the Lordship of Christ, like you mentioned. But culturally, one of the biggest pulls towards secularism in Canada is that we, we, we see ourselves to be European. But in proximity, we're not European. We are closer to the Americans. Would you agree with that assessment? What would your thoughts be on that? I would. Uh, I think. I think you've certainly got something there, and I think uh, every Canadian family has experienced that. That kind of. Uh, it's not. Not. It's too hard to say an an identity crisis, but you watch the coronation, and my. I know that uh, our minds are circling through. Oh, when did uh, when did my ancestors come over from uh, from England and. You've got uh, got these kinds of questions or uh, this pull to uh, look back at your ancestral heritage, uh, and I think that's partly a, a new world phenomenon more broadly. Uh, I I don't think you're wrong, but uh, I think uh, and as you've as you've been talking about Pastor Tim James Jacob Rayom, uh, I've been thinking about the. Uh, the Church at War uh, conference and the uh, the Antichrist and His Ruin documentary that uh, all of y'all were a part of that that came out last year, and one of the uh, one of the big themes there that I think is uh, is very important for Canadians to grasp the the depth and breadth and significance of is this stated uh, goal of multiculturalism in Canada, uh, and that was a uh, that was a push at the uh, 1967 uh, Expo. Uh, it's it was a, it's a self conscious sort of cultivation that we have, where uh, where the United States has has people from every culture, but it's uh, there's still a distinctive American identity. Canada has uh, has tried to uh, to give an alternative to that and tried to tried to inculcate. Uh, a mentality where you're uh, you're you're welcome to to come here, but we want to want to highlight 
a, a an emphasis on your your home culture. There's there's less of less of the melting pot, more of the mosaic. To use those uh, those old terms that you've heard from you know eleventh grade civics class. Uh, yeah, and less of assimilation and more of accommodation. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Where in the United States, there there's a struggle for that right now, but the United States has been because they're a revolutionary country, uh, different than the French Revolution, but but revolutionary nonetheless. Nonetheless, there is yeah. a there is still the assumption of assimilation and the and a push for that within the culture, and so. In the in the American context, you have this you have this potentially the greatest empire to exist on planet Earth, and it is it shares the largest land border in the world with Canada. So that mm-hmm. means that Canadians, if even if their mind they think we want to be progressive like the Europeans, their proximity, where they vacation, the news that they watch. The fashion that they take in, everything uh, is um, infused with an, an American psyche, an American identity. And so America serves as, a, as an anchor towards conservatism for Canadians, whether Canadians know it or understand it or like it. That that has been a strategy of Liberty Coalition Canada from day one to help Americans know what's going on in Canada so that Americans can help Canadians. Um, mm. The second thing that, that, that Canadians deal with is this real uh, little brother syndrome um, right. where because of all of that influence of the U.S., Canadians can have a knee-jerk reaction – to whatever happens in the U.S. So if you ask a Canadian, like, what's your Canadian identity? Most most Canadians don't realize it, but what they really say in some way, shape, or form is, I'm not American. Yeah. And um, so that's another thing that Canadians deal with. So a part of our strategy at Liberty Coalition Canada and, and my, um, uh, at least, you know, at this moment for this time, my move into the United States, uh, you know, as one of my children uh, does university here. Um, one of the reasons why I'm here is to help bridge that gap and to really say, look, um, Americans, you need to know what's going on just north where you can drive. You need to know what's going on as progressivism is taking hold to a greater extent than it is here. You need to know what's going on so close to home because it will affect you. It's it's in the same way that the U.S. is a is a is an anchor towards um, conservatism. Canada is a tugboat pushing or pulling whichever way you want to hook the boat up towards liberalism. And so you you know you can go to you can go to uh, sitcoms like Last Man Standing. And all of the, 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 the most liberal guy in the sitcom is a Canadian because that's, that's true. Like you've got California, New York, and Canada are the, are the, are the, the, the places where um, people down here would point to to say that place is moving liberal really quick. So mm-hmm. all that to say, 
Um, Americans need to hear the danger so close to home. Again, that's why we're doing this conference, Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, October 31st to November 1st. Uh, we're, we're having it at one of the Seacoast uh, church campuses. It's going to be really great. We're equipping and, and training people to stand up for Christ. You need to come down, book your ticket. If you're in the U.S., come and join us. Joe and myself and, and Tim are going to be there. Um, so we want Americans to hear these stories in Canada, but the a part of that strategy is so that the American church gets healthy and strong here so that then the American church can go and help the, the, the smaller Canadian church. If we, if we can get Americans to understand what's really going on in Canada and the, 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 the real um, legal climate change that has happened, that that's the real climate change issue. Uh, it's a legal <laughs> climate change. Um, if, if we can get Americans to get behind that, to help with media focus, to help with uh, funding initiatives, to help um, with all of these things, you've just got 10 times the population here. So that's what the Spark Leadership Conference is about. Um, that is why the Ezra Institute is so deeply embedded into this conference. It's it's something that Liberty Coalition Canada has spearheaded, but we're thankful for the partnership of the Ezra Institute um, to bring in uh, Joe as as a speaker, and then to bring in Nate Wright. You know, Nate's the new Canadian director. Um, and and here's where I want to break this down for people. Um, we've asked each one of the speakers to share their to share their story, like to share their story of either being fined or surveilled or imprisoned. And when you're on the ground, if you've never gone through any of this, you you just it's it's hard to believe. But it happened so many times. It happened all across Canada. So we have representatives from all across Canada coming with different stories. And we've asked each of the speakers, start with, you know, if you're doing a 45-minute sermon, a 45-minute lecture, or an hour lecture. Start with 15 to 20 minutes of this is what happened. You know, this is what has happened to me. And I'm telling you, when you get to stories, like when you get to stories, like every single one of our stories is different. I'm in rural Ontario. Joe can tell us stories from being downtown Toronto, the biggest city in Canada. He can tell stories about that. Pastor Tim Stevens jailed can talk about what happened and, and, and why um, pastor Nate Wright, um, find four times or five times. I'm, I'm not sure whether it's four or five um, mm. for keeping his church open. In each of these situations, the American church needs to hear, look, this is coming here if you don't, if you don't smarten up. And they, they need to hear, hey, we all need to be strengthened and you can serve the Canadian church who are your brothers and sisters just north of this land border. Right. No, that's uh, that's a great, that's a worthy, uh, admirable thing. Personally, I find that uh, that kind of biographical detail it's very uh, it's very easy. It's designed to sort of orient uh, orient the reader, orient the hearer uh, into that kind of situation, cause you to consider what would uh, what would I do if that to, if that were to happen to me. So I hope that uh, I hope that that's a a blessed and fruitful time. We look forward to it. Sparkconferences.org is the website where you can register. 
it's a uh, yeah, it's not uh, not expensive for a two day conference, and it'll be uh, some some great people, uh, well worth uh, well worth listening to. So I hope that uh, you get a great turnout for that. You know, it's interesting, Ryan, as as we're sharing about the conference coming up, I've actually had people reach out to me privately. I don't know if you're getting this, but I've actually had people saying, hey, do you think we're going to be in mandates again? Mm-hmm. You know, you're hearing rumors yeah. on both sides of the borders. Yeah. Now, just, just think about this. Just think about this. The way that we've seen media work is there's media signaling prior to policy change. Yes. So when you have media just randomly publishing articles about mask wearing, for example, like who cares about mask wearing? We're, we're two years beyond when we knew those things were not effective. And again, who cares if they are effective? They're dehumanizing to people. People should have the choice to wear one or not to wear one. It's not, you know, we don't, we know it was just a, a, a mark of the beast type of regulatory, you know, now we know you're loyal type thing. But we know that media will signal a change long before the change happens. And we know that what will happen is the government will, as the, as the signal is made, the government will initially say, no, 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 we're not interested in stuff like that. No, no, no. So in the last two weeks, you've seen it. You've seen, we can just go on every major Canadian news site. We can go on a very few American, but it, it's still talking about here where people are going, are we going back into mandates? And then the government saying, no, no, we won't. And so, you know, Fauci was just on the U.S. saying, well, if we do, I hope people would listen. And it's hilarious. His emphasis this time would be uh, listen to the proper usage of a mask and and not, you know, just put one on every day and, and understand the health risk for yourself. So everything's subtly, you know, they're getting more subtle. But that's just the first two weeks of the news cycle. Like that's just the first month of the news cycle, it seems to me that absolutely nothing has changed. That that if there was a declared, like right now in the city of Barrie, there are five cases of COVID at the Royal Victoria Hospital. There's already news articles about it. They've declared it an outbreak again. Again, five cases. <laughs> and they're already limiting visitation and they're already uh, testing staff. So back to the back to the nose swabs. Oh boy! Yeah. Nothing, it seems, has changed. The framework has not changed, Ryan. What changed was maybe the excuse to to get there. Um, what changed was maybe the, the you know the, the government you know just wanting a, a vacation for the summer again, but. Within Canada, there is an ongoing mandate discussion that is prevalent, so much so that people are saying, are we going right back into this? And I'm bringing this, this, this point up because I think so many people who were deceived to begin with just want to continue to live in that deception. And with, within the American church, because things were so much lighter there is that there is the habit to say oh look it's okay things are back to normal there's no problem the canadian example really does continue to show how close we are 
for the government to, again, in a secular, scientific, technocratic, I know that that's a, the technocratic is a word Joe loves to use a lot, in, mm-hmm. in a scientific, technocratic uh, uh, technocracy, um, the Canadian story illustrates just how close we, we are living in that still. Right, and so I just yep. don't think these are the type of problems that go away, and it's it's good for people to hear these kinds of stories. What will you do when Bill C four, which has been passed and and has outlawed the 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 teaching of biblical sexuality in Canada, yep. punishable up to five years in jail and um, up to a hundred thousand dollars in fines, a criminal offense that means you can't leave the country after you've been charged as a criminal, um. What what are you going to do when you're faced with changing the mission statement of your church or changing your website? Um, or like, there's just so much more coming down, um, you know, as we see the civil unrest all around the world, like what's going on in Calgary right now? What's going on uh, uh, in Israel? What's going on in France? What's going on on the southern border in the United States as civil unrest increases, as these, you know, the climate change is hard talk, the pandemic is still hard talk. Canada is a prime example to the United States of this is what will happen if you go left. Right. Yeah. And you, uh, with Liberty Coalition Canada, uh, we at the Ezra Institute, uh, a few other uh, voices have been saying this kind of thing uh, and really kind of amplifying it over the past few years. But uh, this has been an observable phenomenon for you know, for quite some time. And yeah, Mike, just uh, in closing, again, I appreciate you uh, you being here. Looking forward to uh, the Spark Conference. I think that uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of collective wisdom and experience that. Uh, that the Canadian message has for our, uh, our friends and neighbors to the South there. So appreciate you uh, being here. And I again, encourage you to uh, all of our listeners to get, get down to South Carolina at the end of October, attend that conference uh, with Mike, uh, Joe Boot, Tim Stevens, Nate Wright. And uh, we will uh, look forward to, uh, to hearing how that goes. Yeah. Actually, Ryan, I know you're trying to, to um, pull things to a close. One speaker we just haven't mentioned is our lawyer, James Kitchen, is coming out there. This is a rare opportunity oh, that's for great. people. James, I don't know if I knew that. Uh, James, Yeah, James takes care of his family very well. They've got some uh, family dynamics that he is very careful about when he travels. James is coming in person to this conference. And if you want to talk about a dynamite like everybody who listens to my podcast, I know when James is on because our listens go way up. He is a <laughs> he is a treasure um, as a Canadian constitutional lawyer. He understands the law, and he as a as a godly like a like a really well um, defined Christian mind, Christian worldview. Um, he is a perfect blend for people to hear about what is the Christian response to these legal changes. You know, James always reminds me that tyranny begins one paper at a time. 
he, he that that's that's the little catchphrase of people go to our website. You'll kind of hear make James make that reference. And so uh, don't let's not forget James. James Kitchen is going to be down there, and that's a rare sighting. So like a like a rare bird. Excellent. All right. Well, get your uh, go down. Get your cameras. Get your binoculars, and uh, catch uh, catch a glimpse <laughs> of James Kitchen. Uh, no, that uh, that sounds excellent. You'll definitely not want to not want to miss that. All right, Mike. Thanks again for being here. Uh, this has been the podcast for Cultural Reformation, and we remind you that from him and through him and to him are all things. May God be glorified, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>